good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you're watching this from. Great to have you with us. My name is Dave, and welcome to another uh, daily devotion. So I'm down here in my studio today because uh, a little windy outside, a little freezing. Um, the sun's out, but it's still cold. And uh, I'm fighting a little bit of a cold here, it looks like. so. But, you know, this week I was looking through some of the comments that I saw on our live stream. And... Um, one of the comments that had, a couple of Max League that came up and then I got a couple of emails uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks. And one of the comments that I saw was, you know, I'm just having trouble getting through this idea that God is, is disappointed in me. Like, I just feel like God is disappointed in me. And I, I, I kind of dug into that a little bit. I've got a couple of notes here that I want to share with you guys, but it, it it led me to a conversation with myself about like, you know, I've been walking with Jesus for so long and yeah, there are days where I'm certainly disappointed in myself, but I always feel like God has never disappointed in me because we just, it's just not the way he works, but I can totally understand how maybe some other folks are struggling with that. So I wanted to dig a little bit into it today, maybe, and just chat about it. And I think you have to really dive into the, the concept of grace and mercy when you chat about this type of, of, uh, of topic. And, and so I, I just wanted to start with a couple of verses on grace, most importantly. Um, and then we can get into, I had just taken a couple of notes and thought some of this stuff was pretty cool to kind of share with you guys. So that's what I wanted to do. So 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you right? For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me, right? So if Jesus's power is made perfect in our weakness, then what Paul is saying here is just that, man, I'm just going to say, yes, I am weak in this and I am weak in that and I am weak in this. I'm going to confess to you my weaknesses so that your power can be brought forth in me. I just thought it was a really, really cool verse. Never thought of it quite in that way. And then Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, right? Not by our own doing, but it is a gift of God. We are saved, not a result of, of our works so that nobody can boast, right? Romans six fourteen says, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but you're under grace, and, you know, I didn't even look this up. Hang on one second. Let me just, this is kind of nice that I can, uh, in my studio here, because when I'm walking around, I can't look up all these different things. But um, when you talk about grace, let's see. Let's see if I can find a, a, another quick, right. So here, common Christian teaching is that grace is unmerited, right, unmerited mercy. I've definitely heard this before. A favor that God gave to humanity by sending his son Jesus to die on a cross, thus securing man's eternal salvation from sin. Within Christianity, there are different concepts of how grace is attained. And that was just recommended, uh, sorry, referenced in a couple of the verses that we had just talked about. But I was looking into this, you know, this whole thing about sin and why grace is so important with when it comes to sin. And we know for a fact, like, God just is not a fan of sin, right? He hates sin. But 
God doesn't define us by our sin. Our identity is not in our sin. Our identity is in God, right? It's almost as if God sees things the other way around. If we identify ourselves with our sin, God is like, no, 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 no. While we might magnify our mistakes, God magnifies the beauty given to us. He is not intimidated by our weaknesses like we so often are. He sees their power as already dissolved on the cross. And I thought that was such a beautiful, beautiful image of just our sin just being dissolved on the cross when Jesus took the nails for us and and shed his blood for us. When we feel guilty and perceive God as sternly pointing out our faults, perhaps we can recognize it, it, it as really just our own voices defining our faults, right? We can choose instead to listen to his quieter voice that tenderly repeats, and this is right from Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We can recognize that God is a God of deep, deep compassion. And I love that um, that sentence right there. When we feel guilty and perceive God as sternly pointing out our faults, perhaps we can recognize it is really just our own voice, right? Our own voice. We beat ourselves up so much about our own faults and our sin and everything that we just struggle with. We really do beat ourselves up, uh, beat ourselves up about it. And God is just saying, hey, 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 wait. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you're a believer in Christ, there is no condemnation. That is, Our God is a God of incredibly deep compassion. But... You know, there's always the danger. Does this mean that we should overlook our sin? Absolutely not, right? Paul says that right in Romans. But when we see ourselves, when we see issues in our lives, we are asked to take them seriously, right? To present them and ourselves to the one who is able to help us and teach us and grow us in his kindness and into his likeness, right? After all, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and we'll forgive, we'll yeah, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's right from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. So we are simply meant to know God embraces us no matter the severity of our sin. Let me just say that again. God embraces us no matter the severity of our sin so that we will not recoil in shame but come to him in comfort. We're meant to understand that God does not define us by these issues. That is such an important, important, important thing, right? God does not define us by our issues. And we shouldn't either, right? He's not defining us by our issues. So why should we? We should just kind of let them go and let God work in us to help us resolve those issues. God is not disappointed in you. He's far from it. But we have this, you know, this judgment on ourselves, right? This thought process that we we go through that says we are not worthy, right? Or that we continue to fall down and we fall down and we fall down and we fall down and then how do we get back up? And God continues to just reach down and pull us up out of it. But if we stay in that state of shame, we get stuck, right? We get completely stuck in our own ruts. And this happens like all the time. Like this is a rut of our own making. So he chooses to motivate us by giving us knowledge of who we really are and awareness of his unconditional kindness, his love, his mercy, his grace. 
it does sometimes just leave me speechless. He knows that only gracious love brings us healing and the ability to love ourselves. That is so, so important about loving ourselves. It then gives us a strength to go and move forward in hope, right? Let me just read that again. He knows that only gracious love, only grace, the love that grace brings, that gives us healing and gives us hope. And that gives us the strength to keep on rolling. So we're beautiful in his eyes. We are amazing in his eyes. He rejoices over us in singing, right? It says that right in Zephaniah, that our God rejoices over us. So our thoughts of God being disappointed with us, what do these thoughts do, right? What do they do? They, they only really just draw us closer to him because we're like, God, are you disappointed in us? Okay, so that starts a prayer, right? God, I'm sorry that I did this. God, I once again, I've fallen and I've just keep doing this over and over and over again. So it starts a prayer, a conversation with our God, drawing us closer and closer to Him. So all of this talk of grace reminded me of this great song that that I've played a bunch of times on, um, on the live streams. And I thought maybe we could just take, since we've got the the studio here, that we could just take a minute, right? And maybe you're struggling with um, some kind of sin or something that's pulling you away from God and maybe today you can just stop and kneel and confess and just get right with God right here on a little devotion so I'm just going to play through the chorus, maybe the song or something. But I want you to just, maybe just close your eyes unless you're driving. But let God in right here, right now. Like, just let him in for a minute. And let it just know that you're loved by the creator of the universe. And loved by your creator. God, today we're in awe again of, of your grace and your mercy. God, we need it so badly. Help us to be real with ourselves and real with our relationship. Mercy 
in his eyes we are amazing in his eyes he is rejoicing over us with singing James 4 6 says but he gives more grace therefore it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble Hebrews 4, 16 says, Let us then be confident and draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So our God is, is a God of mercy and grace and love. He is not disappointed in you today at all. He loves you with a love that we can't even begin to comprehend. And for that, I'm grateful. So that's where we're going to end today. Okay. Um, just know that our God loves you so, so much. Okay. We'll see you guys on the next one.